Chapter One of Mary Carey, Frequently Martha. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jan McGillivray. Mary Carey, Frequently Martha, by Kate Langley Bosher. Chapter One An Unthankful Orphan. My name is Mary Carey. I live in the Yorkburg Female Orphan Asylum. You may think nothing happens in an orphan asylum. It does. The orphans are sure enough children, and real much like the kind that have mothers and fathers. But though they don't give parties, or wear truly Paris clothes, things happen, and that's why I am going to write this story. Today I was kept in. Yesterday, too. I don't mind, for I would rather watch the lightning up here than be down in the basement with the others. There are days when I love thunder and lightning. I can't flash and crash, being just Mary Carey, but I'd like to, and when it is done for me, it is a relief to my feelings. The reason I was kept in was this. Yesterday, Mr. Gaffney, the one with the sunk eye, and cold in his head perpetual, came to talk to us for the benefit of our characters. He thinks it's his duty, and, just naturally loving to talk, he wears us out once a week anyhow. Yesterday, not agreeing with what he said, I wouldn't pretend I did, and I was punished prompt, of course. I don't care for duty-doers, and I tried not to listen to him. But tiresome talk is hard not to hear. It makes you so mad. Hear him I did, and when, after he had ambled on until I thought he really was castor oil and I had swallowed him, he blew his nose and said, You have much, my children, to be thankful for, and for everything you should be thankful. Are you? If so, stand up. Rise and stand upon your feet. I didn't rise. All the others did. Stood on their feet just like he asked. None tried their heads. I was the only one that sat, and when he saw me, his sunk eye almost rolled out, and his good eye stared at me in such astonishment that I laughed out loud. I couldn't help it. I truly couldn't. I'm not thankful for everything, and that's why I didn't stand up. Can you be thankful for toothache, or stomach ache, or any kind of ache? You cannot, and not meant to be either. The room got awful still, and then presently he said, Mary Carey. His voice was worse than his eye. Mary Carey, do you mean to say you have not a thankful heart? and he pointed his finger at me like I was the Jezebel lady come to life. I didn't answer, thinking it safer, and he asked again, Do I understand, Mary Carey? And by this time he was real red in the face mad. Do I understand you are not thankful for all that comes to you? Do I understand aright? Yes, sir, you understand right, I said getting up this time. 
I am not thankful for everything in my life. I'd be much thankfuler to have a mother and father on earth than to have them in heaven. And there are a great many other things I would like different. And down I sat, and was kept in for telling the truth. Miss Bray says it was for impertinence. Miss Bray is the head chief of this institution. But I didn't mean to be impertinent. I truly didn't. Speaking facts is apt to make trouble, though. Also writing them. Today Miss Bray kept me in for putting something on the blackboard I forgot to rub out. I wrote it just for my own relief, not thinking about anybody else seeing it. What I wrote was this. Some people are crazy all the time. All people are crazy sometimes. That's why I'm up in the punishment room today, and it only proves that what I wrote is right. It's crazy to let people know you know how queer they are. Miss Bray takes personal everything I do, and when she saw that blackboard, upstairs she ordered me at once. She loves to punish me, and it's a pleasure I give her often. I brought my diary with me, and as I can't write when anybody is about, I don't mind being by myself every now and then. Miss Bray don't know this, or my punishment would take some other form. I just love a diary. You see, it's something you can tell things to and not get in trouble. When writing in it, I can relieve my feelings by saying what I think, which Miss Catherine says is risky to do to people and that it's safer to keep your feelings to yourself. People don't really care about them, and there's nothing they get so tired of hearing about. A diary doesn't talk, neither do animals, but a diary understands better than animals, and you can call things by their right name in a book, which it isn't safe to do out loud, even to a dog. I know I am not unthankful, and I would much rather have a father and mother on earth than to have them in heaven, but I guess I should have kept my preferences to myself. Somehow preferences seem to make people mad. But a mother and father in heaven are too far away to be truly comforting. I like the people I love to be close to me. I guess that is why, when I was little, I used to hold out my arms at night, hoping my mother would come and hold me tight. But she never came, and now I know it's no use. There are a great many things that are no use. One is in telling people what they don't want to know. I found that out almost two years ago, when I wasn't but ten. The way I found out was this. One morning, it was an awful cold morning, Miss Bray came into the dining room just as we were taking our seats for breakfast, and she looked so funny that everybody stared, though nobody dared to even smile visible. All the children are afraid of Miss Bray. But at that time I hadn't found out her true self, and, not thinking of consequences, I jumped up and ran over to her and whispered something in her ear. "'What?' she said. "'What did you say?' And she bent her head so as to hear better. "'You forgot one side of your face when fixing this morning,' I said, still whispering, not wanting the others to hear. 
Only one side is pink. But I didn't get any further, for she grabbed my hand and almost ran with me out of the room. You piece of impertinence, she said, and her eyes had such sparks in them I knew my judgment day had come. You little piece of impertinence! You shall be punished well for this. I was. I didn't mean to be impertinent. I thought she'd like to know. I thought wrong. I loathe Miss Bray. The very sight of her shoulders in the back gets me mad all over without her saying a word. And everything in me that's wrong comes right forward and speaks out when she and I are together. She thinks she could run this earth better than it's being done. And she walks like she was the superintendent of most of it. But I could stand that. I could stand her cheeks and her frizzed front and a good many other things. But what I can't stand is her passing for being truthful when she isn't. She tells stories, and she knows I know it. And from the day I found it out, I have stayed out of her way. And were she the Queen of Europe, Asia, and Africa, and the United States, I'd want her to stand out of mine. I truly would. Her outrageousest story I heard her tell myself. It was over a year ago, and we were in the room where the ladies were having a board meeting. I had come in to bring some water, and had a waiter full of glasses in my hands, and was just about to put them on the table, when I heard Miss Bray tell her lie. That's what she did. She lied. Those glasses never touched that table. My hands lost their hold, and down they came with a crash. Every one smashed to smithereens, and I standing staring at Miss Bray. The way she told her story was this. The board deals us out for adoption, and that morning they were discussing a request for Pinky Moore, and as usual, Miss Bray didn't want Pinky to go. You see, Pinky was very useful. She did a lot of disagreeable things for Miss Bray, and Miss Bray didn't want to lose her. And when Mrs. Roan, who was the only board lady truly seeing through her, asked, real sharp-like, why Pinky shouldn't go this time. Miss Bray spoke out like she was really grieved. I declare, Mrs. Roan, she said, and she twirled her keys round and round her fingers and twitched the nostril parts of her nose just like a horse. I declare, Mrs. Roan, I hate to tell you, I really do, but Pinky Moore wouldn't do for adoption. She has a terrible temper, and she's so slow nobody would keep her. And then, too, her voice was the Pharisee kind that the Lord must hate worse than all others. And then, too, I am sorry to say Pinky is not truthful, and has been caught taking things from the girls. I hope none of you will mention this, as I trust by watching over her to correct these faults. She begs me so not to send her out for adoption, and is so devoted to me that— And just then she saw me, which she hadn't done before, I being behind Mrs. Armstead, and she stopped like she had been hit. For a minute I didn't breathe. I didn't. 
All I did was to stare. Stare with mouth open and eyes out. And then it was the glasses went down, and I flew into the yard. And there by the pump was Pinky. Oh, Pinky, I said. Oh, Pinky! And I caught her round the waist and raced up and down the yard like a wild man from Borneo. Oh, Pinky, what do you think? Poor Pinky, thinking a mad dog had bit me, tried to make me stop, but stop I wouldn't until there was no more breath. And then we sat down on the woodpile, and I hugged her so hard I almost broke her bones. First I was so mad I couldn't cry, and then crying so I couldn't speak. But after a while words came, and I said, Pinky Moore, are you devoted to Miss Bray? Are you? I want the truest truth. Are you devoted to her? Devoted to Miss Bray? Devoted? And poor little Pinky, who has no more spirit than a poor relation, spoke out for once. I hate her, she said. I hate her worse than prunes. And if somebody would only adopt me, I'd be so thankful I'd choke for joy, except for leaving you. Then she boo-hooed, too, and the tears that fell between us looked like we were artesian wells. They certainly did. But Pinky didn't know what caused my tears. Mine were mad tears, and not being able to tell her why they came, I had to send her to the house to wash her face. I washed mine at the pump, and then worked off some of my mad by sweeping the yard as hard as I could, wishing all the time Miss Bray was the leaves, and trying to make believe she was. I was full of the things the Bible says went into swine, and I knew there would be trouble for me before the day was out. But there wasn't. Not even for breaking the pump handle was I punished, and Miss Bray tried so hard to be friendly that at first I did not understand. I do now. That was my first experience in finding out that someone who looked like a lady on the outside was mean and deceitful on the inside, and it made me tremble all over to find out it could be so. Since then I have never pretended to be friends with Miss Bray. As for her, she hates me. Hates me because she knows I know what sort of a person she is, a sort I loathe from my heart. When I first got my diary, I thought I was going to write in it every day. I haven't, and that shows I'm no better on resolves than I am on keeping step. I never keep step. Sometimes I've thought I was really something, but I'm not. Nobody much is when you know them too well. It is a good thing for your pride when you keep a diary, especially when you are truthful in it. Each day that you leave out is an evidence of character, poor character, for it shows how careless and put-offy you are, both of which I am. But it isn't much in life to be an inmate of a humane association, or a home, or an asylum, or whatever name you call the place where job-lot charity children live. And that's what I am, an inmate. Inmates are like malaria and dyspepsia. 
something nobody wants and every place has. Minerva James says they are like veterans. They die and yet forever live. Well, anyhow, whenever I used to do wrong, which was pretty constant, I would say to myself it didn't matter, nobody cared, and if I let a chance slip to worry Miss Bray, I was sorry for it. But that was before I understood her, and before Miss Catherine came. Since Miss Catherine came, I know it's yourself that matters most, not where you live or where you came from. And I'm thinking a little more of Mary Carey than I used to, though in a different way. As for Miss Bray, I truly try at times to forget she's living. But she's taught me a good deal about human nature, Miss Bray has, about the side I didn't know. It's a pity there are things we have to know. I think I will make a special study of human nature. I thought once I'd take up botany in particular, as I love flowers, or astronomy, so as to find out all about those million worlds in the sky, so superior to earth and so much larger. But I think now I'll settle on human nature. Nobody ever knows what it is going to do, which makes it full of surprises, but there's a lot that's real interesting about it. I like it. As for its bray side, I'll try not to think about it. But if there are puddles, I guess it's well to know where, so as not to step in them. I wish we didn't have to know about puddles and things. I'd so much rather know little and be happy than find out the miserable much some people do. Anyhow, I won't have to remember all I learn, for Miss Catherine says there are many things it's wise to forget, and whenever I can, I'll forget mean things. I'd forget Miss Bray's if she'd tell me she was sorry and cross her heart she'd never do them again. But I don't believe she ever will. God is going to have a hard time with Miss Bray. She's right old to change, and she's set in her ways. Bad ways. End of chapter 1 Recording by Jan McGillivray